Well, welcome to Bloomsbury this morning. It's really good to have you with us. Uh, and a special welcome if you're a visitor with us this morning. And if you're visiting us from another church, please take our greetings back with you to your own church when you get back there. It's always a joy to welcome people who are in London for a few days to be with us. Oh, the other thing I just need to say is uh, today is one of our regular all ages. Here we go again. Same old, same old. Um, today is one of our... Yup. Just carries on talking. Didn't even bother to look up here and engage with me. I'm up here. And I'm sick and tired of not being listened to. Um, sorry, Some, something is clearly the matter here, but I'm not sure now is the best time to discuss it. Oh, it never is, is it? There's always something better going on, something else that needs to be done. Well, Sundays are notoriously busy here, and whatever the problem is, I really don't think interrupting our service is the way to go about it. You're not listening to me, are you? You never listen. Standing there on the elevated stage with your suit and tie on, claiming to be one of us, but even what you're wearing proves that to be wrong. What I'm wearing? You've interrupted the service because you don't like what I'm wearing. It's not just what you're wearing, but what that suit represents. It just screams, I'm removed from all of you. I'm not accessible, not engageable. I think there's only one of us doing the screaming right now. There we go again, refusing to engage once more. The suit is just a public expression of something much deeper. Look, I think you're hugely exaggerating things, Luke. I think wearing a suit on a Sunday morning is an important expression of respect for the position I hold within the life of the church and for the church community themselves. It's not about separating myself from anyone. It's about honouring them. And like I said, this really isn't the time for this conversation. Nonsense. You're just purposely trying to avoid what I'm really saying here. But I just answered your question and explained where I'm coming from. Luke, come down here now. There's no point having this conversation like this. Oh, come down well, here and yeah, talk face to face. It's me that has to come downstairs and it's always me that has to meet halfway. It's not even halfway, it's all of the way. Blooming down these stairs, I'm climbing up and down stairs all flipping day. No one's ever thinking about me. It's always about Simon. Simon on the stage, never ever me. Do you know how many stairs are in this blooming building? And how many times I have to climb up and down them every single day? And Simon just gets to stand on the stage and not engage all the flipping... Hello. <laughs> well, now... I have already tried to explain to Luke where I'm coming from with this. And I've tried to engage with Simon about this on multiple occasions, but... Okay, stop, stop, stop. Neither of you are actually listening to the other. You both need to stop and hear what the other is telling you. Luke, you go first. Why are you angry with Simon? I feel as if Simon is distant from the congregation and the suit and the tie represents that. Okay, Simon, what did you just hear Luke say to you? Luke feels that the way I dress represents my being set apart from people and he wants me to be accessible to everyone. Luke, is that what you wanted 
Simon to hear? Yeah. Okay. Simon, what do you want Luke to hear? Dressing smartly is honouring to the congregation and to the role they asked me to do on a Sunday. Luke, what did you just hear Simon say to you? That Simon cares about the congregation and wants to express that care and respect through the way he dresses on a Sunday. Simon, do you think he's understood you? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a really good place to start. I do think that this conversation should happen face-to-face, off-stage, and not in the middle of a service. But you two need to sit down properly and have a conversation and listen to each other. The key word being listen. Thank you, Dawn. But it's Acts chapter 2 for reading. When Pentecost day had come, they were all together, when suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing wind, filling the entire house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak different languages as the Spirit gave them power to express themselves. Now, there were devout men living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, they all assembled, and they were bewildered, because each one heard them speaking his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Cyrene, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes alike, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own language about the marvels of God. Everyone was amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does it mean? Some, however, laughed it off, saying they are full of new wine. We don't all hear things the same. Uh, If you've been hanging around on social media this week, if I ask you, uh, Yanni or Laurel, Some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm seeing some smiles. What did you hear? I heard Yanni. You heard Yanni, you heard Laurel. I heard Yanni, I cannot hear Laurel at all. For those of you who are wondering what on earth I'm talking about, it's a little sound clip that has been released. And it seems to be something to do with maybe the speaker through which you hear it, or the frequency to which your ears are attuned. There may be something age-related, because obviously our ears uh, lose high frequencies as we get older. Uh, Some people clearly hear hear it saying the word Yanni. Some people clearly hear it saying the word Laurel. Same thing, heard in two different ways. I mean, it's a gift for a Pentecost Sunday preacher, isn't it? So we had to to start there. Um, We often think of Pentecost as a miracle of speaking with everyone suddenly talking in 
different human languages. And certainly I've been part of uh, church traditions in the past which have used this to develop their understanding of what speaking in tongues is. And I can remember being told at one point, you know, if somebody speaks in tongues, they're speaking a human language that they've never had to learn. And that, you know, you, you can recognise it if you speak that language. I have my doubts that that's what's going on with uh, speaking in tongues, actually. Uh, I suspect speaking in tongues, certainly is, insofar as I've experienced it in my own um, attempts to practice it, is more a kind of... Uh, nonsensical use of language that is released from the patterns of cognitive thought, more like a meditative, uh, more like a meditative chant or something like some of those traditions that use chanting to access uh, spirituality. But anyway, I, I don't think it is about talking in different human languages, uh, but there, there are traditions that do. Certainly, I, I tend to think that Pentecost. Um, in the giving of the Spirit and the, the passage that Frank read for us, is much more about a miracle of hearing than it is about a miracle of speaking. So it's a miracle of understanding. People suddenly discovering, through the activity of the Holy Spirit, an ability to hear one another across the barriers that would otherwise divide them. Including, of course, in this particular instance, the language barrier. Now, the so-called language barrier is never just about language, of course. I mean, I can speak a bit of French. You know, I did, I did O-level French, and I can remember some of it. With practice, I'm sure I could get much better at it. But that wouldn't make me French, because I haven't grown up there. I don't know all of those other non-verbal cues that make up French ethnic and cultural identity. And those of you who perhaps grew up in another language culture and have moved to London, you might be able to say how long it takes you to feel that you've actually got on top of what it is to master communication. And that's far more than just learning some vocab and some grammar. There seems to be something deep within humans where we're always seeking to divide ourselves one from another. Did you see the research published recently that was in the news uh, a week or two ago which showed that infants as young as six to nine months can be demonstrated to show bias towards people of their own ethnicity? And there were some studies that showed that even as early as birth, babies will show a bias towards the language spoken by their mother when they're in the womb. So if somebody else speaks that language, they'll, they'll soothe in a way they won't with somebody speaking an unknown language to the mother. We learn at a very early age to show a preference for people who are like us. And we learn at a very early age to be distrustful of people who are not like us. And of course, at one level, this makes perfect sense. You want a baby or a young child to want to seek solace from its parents or from members of its wider family. So it's good for a child to find people who look like it and sound like it more comforting than people who look and sound differently. It's one of the things that stops you wandering off with strangers. But when this positive trait 
of familial belonging gets carried over into other areas of our lives, we find ourselves with divisions that are far less healthy. So the childish preference we have for parents and family members can become racism. It can become an intolerance of ethnic diversity if it's not integrated into our wider understanding of who we are as human beings together. Similarly, the other isms which divide us can also, I think, be seen to be the result of disintegrated personalities. From nationalism, plenty of that around yesterday, to sexism, to classism, to cisgenderism, to ableism, to heterosexism, to anti-Semitism, to colonialism, to ethnocentrism, to religious imperialism, I could go on and on and on. There is seemingly no end to the ways in which we stake out our territory based on normalising our own identity and rejecting those who are not quite like us. This can happen, of course, with both dominant and minority groups within society. But it is most likely to become oppressive when it's exhibited by a majority against a minority. We've just come to the end of our preaching series on the first letter of John. And I don't know if you spotted a common theme over the last couple of months. We've heard again and again and again that Christians are called to model something different in the way they live and relate to one another. Christians are called to build communities of love, where the love that Jesus has for us is then lived out in the love that we demonstrate for one another. I was very struck in our deacons meeting on Tuesday night. We were going around the houses with a discussion and Frank, who read our uh, scripture for us earlier, he just kind of said, well, the key thing really is if we just be kind to one another. And I thought, you know, that's a really good place to start. What if we are kind to one another and we go on from being kind to one another to loving one another? And this loving community of Christ that we built is created by the Spirit of Christ at work within us, enabling us to bridge those divides that would otherwise keep us from one another. So what does a Pentecostal, Spirit-inspired, loving, Christian community look like? Does it look like Bloomsbury Central Baptist Church? Yeah, sometimes I think it does. It can be hard, can't it, sometimes, to really love one another. It can be hard to live together with the differences that we have. And if we say that we have no difference, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, to paraphrase 1 John. Differences of theology, of belief, of style, suit or no suit, musical style, piano or organ or guitar, or whatever. Some of us like noise in worship. Some of us like silence. Some of us like the organ. Some of us would prefer us to invest in a set of drums. Some of us like intellectual sermons. Some of us struggle with them. And I could go on and on and on. And of course it can be difficult when we don't get what we want from our church. 
or if it feels like things that we put our heart and soul into are being ignored or trampled or disparaged by others who are not valuing the thing that we think is so important. Somehow it can all seem more real in church life than it does maybe in the workplace. I've been pondering about why this might be and I think it's because it's here when we are with our siblings in Christ that we lay our emotions before one another and before God. It's here in our Christian family that we, whether we say it out loud or not, that we come desperately hoping and asking to be loved for who we are and what we bring. And when we, when we aren't, or when we feel that we aren't, the divisions can creep in so easily and we end up stepping away from our commitment to love. So what is it that will hold us together? Well, firstly, I think it is our shared conviction that God loves us and that God listens to us. I'm going to personalise that a bit. God loves you and listens to you. Whatever it is that you or I or we want to say, God listens to it. Whether we're angry or hurt or joyful or exultant, God listens. Sometimes when it feels like no one else is listening, to know that God is hearing us can be a profound insight. But that's only the start, because the fact that God hears us must form the basis then for us living out a commitment to hear one another across the divides that might otherwise stop us communicating and understanding. When we come together, we gather speaking a range of different languages. And you know that I'm not just talking here about French or English or whatever. We gather with such differences of style and opinion and insight and preference that even if we are all speaking English, we can so easily be speaking across one another. Just think about the staged argument Luke and I had earlier about what I'm saying by the choice of clothing that I wear. We need to hear one another. We need the gift of the Spirit at Pentecost to work in our minds a miracle of hearing, to break down the barriers that divide us. Today was billed as an all-age service. We have some younger people, I don't think we have any children. But actually, a commitment to diversity in worship, including people who sometimes are not included, you know, if there are kids here, we usually run classes for them to go out to, sometimes we have them in. What, what other areas are there in our worship where we could seek to be more accessible, more diverse? where we could seek to hear one another across the barriers that divide us. We need to learn to bear with one another in love, to listen to one another across our divides, and to discover in our time and our place this Pentecostal, spirit-inspired, loving Christian community that first came into being with those first disciples at Pentecost. And if people end up saying of us, do you know, 
they're so happy it looks like they've had too much new wine I'm fine with that too Gracious Spirit of God, your presence ranges far and wide and your loving embrace extends to all peoples and all places and through all times. We pray today for all those who long to be heard. We pray for those whose voices have been long silenced. And we think of those who are victims of abuse. People who have been told to keep quiet, to never speak out, to never name names. We thank you for movements such as Me Too. We thank you for people who have had the courage to speak out where others have kept silent and that that brings justice to those who have not been able to speak or at least offers the glimmer of such. And we trace in this the work of your spirit, bringing voice to those who have been silenced. We pray for those who feel that they have nothing to say for those whose sense of their own self-worth and self-esteem is so low that there is nothing worth opening their mouth for. May they know that you listen to them, that you long to hear what it is that their heart is crying. And may being listened to by you create opportunities for others to hear them. We pray for those who tell stories of powerlessness. For refugees who will speak out but who we don't want to hear. For those distressing stories that hit our newspapers and our TV screens from which we turn our ears because it is too hard to hear. Give us the courage to listen to the uncomfortable stories and give those who have difficult stories to tell the courage to keep doing so until they're heard. And we pray particularly for our government and the way it deals with those who are coming in distress to our shores. We pray for the immigration service. We know, because of the experience of people who come to this church, how inhuman and dehumanizing it can be to find yourself locked in a removal center, unable to make contact with lawyers or friends because phones have been taken away. We pray for change in the systems, that people will not be disvoiced at the point of need, but instead will be enabled to speak out that better lives may come. We pray for those who are misunderstood, who keep trying to speak out, but never feel that they're getting anywhere. 
for those who don't speak English and live in small sub-communities within our society, nobody reaching in and unable to reach out, judged by those beyond and isolated within. Bring healing to our country and our society across the barriers of language. May misunderstanding of culture and dress and words give way to a society of mutual respect. We pray for those who are judged by others, for the way they dress, the way they look, the way they speak. We recognise that British society is so laden with cultural cues which determine advantage and disadvantage. And we pray for those who are judged and found wanting by the majority. We think of those who are afraid of what speaking out will do. For those who have something that needs to be said, but who know that saying it will generate conflict within families, within friendship groups. We pray for those who are unable to speak out about the deep nature of their being, because they are afraid of the conflict that that will generate. And we ask that this church will be a place where people can be honest about who they are and find acceptance at every level. We ask that this community will be a place where people find freedom to speak and through speaking will find that they are heard and understood and loved and that through being loved they will receive the gift of life. So come, Holy Spirit, come upon us this day as you came upon those first believers at Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago. Give us the miracle of understanding and hearing. Give us the ability to listen. Shape us to be a loving community. We pray all of this for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. Amen.